What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show. What a way to kick off December. And you know what? I am enjoying this. Another four goals for me. Thank you very much. Against that horrible, horrible, dreadful team that I am, I am so, so indifferent about. But twice a... Twice a season, I get very angry and they piss me off. They are disgusting and it's an absolute honour watching them absolutely get blasted away by the mighty Liverpool. Everton won, Liverpool four. This was the result. This was the game. And joining me on this podcast, I have two excellent guests. So without further ado, let me introduce them to you. It's a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show. Um, we did some late night ones last season because obviously with all the congested fixtures and he was... Um, uh, Basically, my emotional crutch. It's an honour to have back Sam Evans. Sam, welcome back to the show. You know, it's really nice to be back on a pod with you again. So, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, I like how you're claiming that you've had four goals today as well. That's <laughs> one of my uh, favourite parts of your introduction. You're just claiming all four for yourself. So, uh, maybe it should be you, the man of the match. Uh, instead of Sadio Mane slash Mo Salah, as the uh, coverage seemed to think on the screen earlier. But uh, yeah, really happy to be here, Nina. It's an honour having you. And if Harry Kane can um, claim goals that he never scored, why can't I claim these assists? You know, I'm just putting it out there. And joining Sam on this podcast, I've never worked with this guy, but he's awesome. And I think Gag's had him on the show. So it, and he does a lot of work with um, Guy Drinkle on One Up Podcast as well. It's an honour having him on. It's Carl. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nina. Great to be here. Great to finally do a show with you. And, and good to be reunited with Sam. Haven't spoke to him in a while. Um, and, of course, great to be here after such a, a an amazing result. You know, it's it's there's no one you love to beat more than the Blues. <laughs> it, it's so true. And uh, yeah, I really can't stand them these uh, past couple of seasons. Anyway, you know what? We've got a caller that has to go. He's limited for time. So I'm going to bring him on. It's again a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show. It is the excellent Harinda, also known as Baji. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, Carl. Hello, Sam. Hey, hey, hey. 
cool. Don't all rush to say hello mate. back, okay? No, no, it's I okay. Had, I have to unmute myself, Farin. Don't, don't, don't worry. <laughs> I know, pressing a button, honestly. I mean, harder work is done at Everton, really. I'm actually sitting there <laughs> watching that shit if you're a blue. <laughs> anyway, talking about the blues, because I couldn't go today, unfortunately. Um, I wish I did now, having seen the result. It's a really simple question. Given the fact that Everton are so fucking turbo gash, rubbish, trash, whatever you want to call them, what would you buy Rafa for Christmas to cheer him up? He's going to have a lot of time possibly <laughs> on his hands soon. So let's do away with the football for a little bit. What would you buy Rafa to cheer him up? Other than a Liverpool season ticket. Uh, that's my answer. Damn. <laughs> I'm really shit at uh, gish. I just get him some Amazon vouchers. Can't be worse than managing Everton, in it. <laughs> a, a Blu-ray of Istanbul. I mean, you know, why not bring him back to the glory days? Ah, I like it. I like it. Sam, have you got any more ideas? I'm basic. I just buy people vouchers. Um, yeah, it was going to be the season ticket. I think he wants to watch some proper football. It's nice of Agent Rafa to go in there, though. And uh, and act like he's going to try and do a job for them, but there was there was absolutely no chance he was going to take points of us today. So, yeah, just just he can have a handshake off me if he wants as a present. He did look proper devastated at heart at full time, though. Credit where credit is due, the acting skills were proper on point, like near tears. Hollywood <laughs> not, is not, calling. Not, you know, not crying, near tears, near tears. Like you know, look. I'm a blue, I'm a blue, I'm not really, guys. <laughs> I'm a blue, I feel your pain. Um, what would you do? I mean, well, I, I can, I can, I, we've got, I, we've I got some to... suggestions for you. Uh, Del Lovely. says a red Christmas tree. Uh, Righty says a red steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually quite a good one, the red steering wheel. Red Christmas tree is rather boring. Ronald Koeman's one is still in the cupboard somewhere. Um, but folks, I mean, on a serious level, Everton have got serious problems, like real serious problems with their fan base, with their team, with their board, with their manager and the gelling of the team and the manager and the connection to the fans and the manager and understanding what this board really wants to do. Because no one can understand what Everton wants to do. How long do you think it can carry on? Do you mean with Rafa or do you mean you know what? With, with Project Everton as a whole? I mean, they've made a beach, if you hadn't realised. It's apparently it's a pebble beach because of all the um, stones being thrown from glass houses by Everton fans at the docks. Something's got to go right for them somewhere. But how long do you reckon it'll stay wrong? There you go. That's a, that's a nice question, isn't it, really? How long do you reckon it'll stay wrong? I mean, I what stood out to me was... was it ever right, though? When was it ever right? <laughs> when was it ever right? Probably early to mid-80s, <laughs> to be fair. Go on. No, I was just saying it was it was a bizarre experience to have the red singing Rafa's name and then having the blues booing them. I mean, when have you ever seen such a thing in, in football where... A, a, a set of fans would be singing the opposition manager's name only to be booed by the home fans. Like it, it was, it, it's an absolute bizarre situation. And I mean, you have to think Rafa's going to go at, at some point. And I, I don't think he necessarily should, because I think you saw at the start of the season, he had them serviceable, but they just got a rake of injuries, particularly the in, 
injury to Calvert-Lewin, who was their main goal threat, and, and they just haven't been able to cope with those injuries. But because of those injuries, there's been bad results, and the fans have quickly turned on Rafa, which is was always going to happen. And I think for that reason, the the board are going to think that they have to do something for the fans. Now, it might not be the right time to sack them now, but in the new year, I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some movement. Um, and when it happens, people are just going to be pointing and, and saying, you know, just how bizarre an appointment it was in the first place. Not because Rafa's not a great manager. He's an excellent manager. Just for history. But simply because of the, the association with, with, mm. with ourselves. It's, a, it's just bizarre to, to me. I mean, for me as well, like Rafa, wherever he goes, whatever he does, Rondon is basically what um, Harry Redknapp had in Crankia. You know, he follows him everywhere. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I just think it's it's a hot, chaotic mess. Long may it continue. I I found it bizarre that, um, you know, they, they booed Rafa Benitez's song, but then I I don't know, did anyone else hear Rafa's at the wheel? And that kind of pissed me off because I don't like that for Marcel fans. Yeah, I, I, I heard that. Um, it, I don't really care either way, to be honest. I, I don't like, it, it's the it's the Olay chant, isn't it? And I didn't like us chanting that at other grounds either. You know, fair enough doing it at Old Trafford, but apart I do, from that, I do like it, I do like the mockery of um, Rafa Benitez, given the fact that yeah, you know, I I hold him in high esteem still. Yeah, I I love the guy. I always will. Um, I mm-hmm. think he's he's a real gentleman. I think he's done a hell of a lot for the city of Liverpool mm-hmm. in general. I I I'll never have a bad word said about the guy, but. You know, it was all in good fun, I think. I don't think anyone there genuinely is, you know, trying to be nasty to Rafa. It's just poking fun at the at at the Everton supporters, the fact that they've got one of our own running their club at the moment, or, or you know, running their team at least. But uh yeah, to answer Harinda's question, I, I don't think it necessarily has to end this uh run of a mess that's going on for them. You know, they've got this new stadium coming now, which is gonna be Fantastic for the city of Liverpool, but it it might end up actually hampering the team for a bit of a bit of a while. A bit like what happened to Arsenal when they got the Emirates; they still they were still paying for it for a long time, and it kind of crippled them in the transfer market. We've seen a similar kind of downturn for Spurs. Um, I wonder. What, I don't really know if they can have more of a downturn, though. That's the only thing with Everton is. Um, they, they might have already hit rock bottom, I'm not sure. But yeah, Herinda, uh, I'm not too sure that they're going to be challenging at the top anytime soon. I don't think that power shift is actually as uh, imminent as some Everton fans seem to think. What a pity for a team that won the transfer window cup so many seasons ago. The, the parade was good though, wasn't it? It was, so was the DVD. And the Blu-ray. They love Blu-rays. Cool. Brilliant. Thank you very much, folks. It was just to inject a bit of humour at the start of the pod. To be fair, it's going to be humorous all the way through December now, given the fact that Everton are being thrashed and absolutely fucking humiliated at Goodison. Couldn't have happened to a shitter team. Thank fuck for that. Anyway, everyone have a great day, great evening, great December, and no doubt we'll catch up soon. Bye all. You too, mate. Take care. Bye. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Harinda. I'm going to say he was quite torn down there. I was expecting everything. He cannot stand Everton. Let me put it out there. I think the world and yeah, his wife... Fucking shit. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what? 
Now you've triggered me. <laughs> right, let's do this. Oh, so look you've done, the, Nina. They are the absolute slime balls of, mm-hmm. of, of any team that I've come across. They will patronize. They will sing the chants that you know you're not really supposed to as well. If you're a proper person from Liverpool, you won't sing those kind of songs. You won't sing Always the Victims. You won't sing Murderers. You won't sing. You won't mime or act pushing. You just don't do it. But they're caught on fucking camera doing it. They're classless bastards. Every single dumb fuck one of them. Not I mean, one of them. Not one of them. You know what? Who act in that way today deserves any respect. There are some decent blues out there. Absolutely. You know, you can't say. It. But every one of them that's a complete and utter fuckwit that acts in the way that they do like they did today just deserves a proper beating. And they got one on the pitch. They should get one off the pitch to learn a lesson as well. There Absolutely. You have and in hindsight, those fans that left at 20 minutes or whatever. Um, They're the best. Yeah. They're the best. They're the ones who are going to send. They're the ones who are going to burn their season tickets. I need to go and claim another one tomorrow at the, um, at the ticket office saying that, you know, I've lost my season ticket and need a new one because they can't give it up. They can't give it up. They can shout, they scream. There's the passion there. They're the best, the ones that leave at 2-0. There you go. Right. So that was Harinda. Let's move on to our second caller. Hopefully that is done with everything I want to talk about was because we were fucking awesome. Uh, I am going to bring in G's on Toast, also known as Nick Turner, but we like G's on Toast. Welcome to the show again. Hi. Thank you very much for having me once again. Yeah, you need to speak up, my friend. Oh, I'm a bit quiet. Sorry. Let me get back. Yeah. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Much better. Okay, great. Um, fantastic. So, yeah, a um, couple of things to say, really. Um, firstly, uh, in the spirit of previous Merseyside derbies, I feel I must say, actually, that I'm extremely disappointed in the lack of the appearance of Mike Origi's lad, as Trev Downey likes to say. Like, surely this was the, a chance for Divock to come on and, uh, and, uh, and score a goal or two. Um, but, more seriously... Uh, I just got four words to say, really, and that's a question for, for you, Nina, and for Sam and Carl as well. Where is Mo's contract? I'll hand it over to you. Carl, I'm going to come to you. I mean, whilst we're speaking about more, two goals today. Uh, the man is literally breaking every single record. Um, he was sensational. Uh, scored a second goal. Uh, just sublime touch again. The thing I love about Mo Salah is his goals are just so diverse and, uh, you know, goals can literally come from anywhere. I mean, and, you know, the second one that he scored, our third, literally it was like, I don't know, karma, if you will, you know, a free kick that was never a free kick, only for a set piece to be taken, only for us to break on a counter and, you know, just absolutely skins his man. He is exceptional. What is going on with that contract? Yeah, I mean, to put it simply, he he's the the best in the world at the moment. Yes, <laughs> it's, it, it's insane to think that you know he he finished what eight in the the Ballon d'Or standings for last year. It's I mean, you know, what seven players are better than him? It's it's crazy to me. But that's the worrying thing: the the contract. I mean, and I'm kind of pushing it out of my mind most of the time and then suddenly a commentator will mention it and you know my face just drops because you you just don't want to think about a reality where he he isn't ours you know you want to keep him to the end of his career at this point 
he's just that 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 good and and that important to us and and you just you hope maybe that it's a good silence that you know Liverpool are just getting things done in the background with him and and you know Mane too it's important that we get that one tied up so hopefully things are getting done and it's just a case of that you know there's it's been done professionally by Liverpool and the both players represent sensitives rather than that it's a struggle you know there hasn't been too much in in terms of negative news on the front either to say like that there's an impasse or anything like that so I don't think we have to worry too much but obviously you know we're going to rest a lot easier when you know Paul Joyce rolls out that tweet some morning and hopefully it's it's not too far away it'd be a nice Christmas present for 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 the Reds it would, and we've just got some interaction here in our Discord chat. Chris Singh goes, we all know they're going to announce it on deadline day in January, and we'll be, and it'll be fucking fantastic. Um, KR99, Mr. Henry, instead of buying hockey teams, get more tied down immediately. Adam Pratitioni, we've got to pay for the Pittsburgh Penguins somehow. Um, I'm going to come to you, Sam. I mean, just more Salah. I mean... He is literally best in the world, and we need that contract. Well, I'm Signed. I'm happy. I'm happy to do a whip round um, or you know, GoFundMe page or something just just to get more signed. But uh, no, seriously though, I I think it's in the post. I think it's it's there's no kind of inklings that it's not going well. Um, usually, when someone's going to leave. The, the press kind of catches wind of it and then you start seeing loads of stories about them going elsewhere. Uh, first of all, where else is he going to go at the moment, especially with the financial problems like Real Madrid and Barca are having? Um, I can't see any other option but him signing a new deal. Um, we're not stupid enough to let go the best player we've had in a very, very long time. Um, so I, I think it's going to happen. I think the club, especially as as the guys touched on there, seem to time some announcements as well. So I don't know if I'm waiting for a bit of bad news to kind of offset it against a bit of bit, bit of Mo Salah signing a new contract news or what. Uh, I think that's a good shout that maybe at the close of the January transfer window when we've signed no one, um, that may, maybe we just announced Salah's side. Yeah, it's a great shout because. I'd I'd be more than I I'm not expecting us to sign anyone in January. There's some kind of rumours going round today about Adama Traore's in the bag for twenty million, and I'm like, that's a very weird. I I can't see that at all. That seems like a very unusual signing with no end product whatsoever. So I think that's bullshit. But uh, yeah, I think we'll be signing no players in January. But I wouldn't be su- at all surprised if uh, Salah extension will be happening. Yeah, maybe they are literally just saving it for a rainy day, you know, like, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, think, hopefully, hopefully, you know, he, he signs the dotted line and we can breathe a little easy. Right. Jeez, I'm toast. Uh, I'll give you the final word and then we'll move on to our next caller. Yeah, no, I don't have much more to add, just to say that, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, agree with all you guys and, Hopefully it's in the works and hopefully it's going to happen because, yeah, we definitely can't afford to lose them. All right, thanks. Cheers. We'll speak to you later. Cheers, Thank mate. you. See you Thank next. You. Right, whilst we're waiting for our next caller, let me just quickly go around to you two. Right, okay. So naturally where I'm from and also, you know, the, the people I associate with, uh, to you guys, which game is bigger, the Merseyside derby or Man United? 
I'll come to Carl first. Well, for me, um, you know, coming from a family with roots on Merseyside, I have uh-huh. a brother, a nephew and a cousin who are all Everton fans. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, uh, for me, I'd I'd go with Everton because yeah. just the bragging rights are massive among the family. Yeah. And when you lose, it's the worst. You know, you you, you just want to mute the, the family WhatsApp group and just just bury your head in the sand. So. But it's a, it's a tough question, but I'll, I'll just about give it to Everton. Ah, okay. Fair enough. And what about you, Sam? Yeah, it's all about geography, really, isn't it? If if I came from Liverpool, 100%, it would be the Everton game. But because of me being from South Wales, uh, a lot of Man United fans in this area, I, I get a lot of stick. I have done my whole life of Man United being the successful club. Um, yep, so it's same. always been the biggest club for me, uh, you know, b- the biggest match for me. I only know a couple of Everton fans, so you know, th- there isn't that kind of rivalry, uh, you know, not bumping into them in work and things. So, yeah, for me, it's, it's always been the Man United game, but I always find this game absolutely massive and I, I get just as nervous in this game, probably more nervous. Because I think we we should win when we're going into the Everton games. Whether the, the Man United games, you know, you always feel like it could go either way. But we're always the favourite in this game, or have been in my lifetime. So it kind of makes me that little bit more nervous that we're going to blow it. So uh, yeah, but Man United overall. Yeah, same for me as well. Mum's a United fan. I know loads of United fans. Um, I don't know many Everton fans naturally. And um, yeah, for me, it's more about the success thing because literally Alex Ferguson and his United United team ruined my childhood, ruined my um, young adult years. And, uh, you know, I can't stand them. So naturally, uh, yeah, I, I I love it when we beat Man United. And KR99 again is saying as a non-scouser Man United without a question. Yeah, I'm pretty indifferent towards Everton for most of the season bar the two games that we played them. But they have got some absolute shithouse players now. Absolute scumbags are like Slytherin. And let's see if Dell is ready now. Dell, are you there? You there, Dell? No? Okay. Well, that was fun. But he's at Tesco's. He can do one. Tesco's? I'm sorry. Oh, that's just taking How was that happened? How was that happened? He's going to get some boost cans. <laughs> oh, my God. He probably, yeah, he's getting cans, isn't he, after the, after the game? He thought, right, uh, beer. Energy drinks. Getting some energy drinks in. Oh, yeah, God. everyone's laughing now. Yeah, every, right, people are putting their order now, right? Uh, we'll only do one some uh, a, a Twix watch right there, please. Oh, my <laughs> God, this podcast is like, you know what, let's talk about the game. Guys, I'm going to come to you. Um, Carl, I'll come to you first on this one whilst we're waiting because I don't think we've spoken much about anything. Um, let's get back to the game. Team lineup, um, exactly what you expected. Um, not much difference from, obviously, the starting lineup against Southampton, aside from, obviously, um, the reintroduction of Joel Matip so were you happy with the lineup? Yeah happy but also surprised I mean I think Klopp often likes to experiment against Everton much much to our fans ire at uh, at times although oftentimes it's it's worked out obviously as as 
uh, Nick talked about uh, Divi and, and his successes against Everton in the past, but um, I think he went with the, the strongest team, the, the obvious team. I suppose the one question would have been Konate or Matup. Um, obviously, some some questions were asked of, of Konate after Southampton. I, I didn't think he did uh, too bad on the balance, but yeah. obviously Matup's that experienced, cool head, so it made sense to, to bring him back in for the, for the derby. Um, so I, I think he he made the right choices and obviously it, it pay, paid off on the pitch. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm, I'm cool with Joel Matip. Um, although felt like he could have done a little bit better in on, on the goal for Everton, but you know, as things stand, minor details here, you know, it wasn't too costly. Uh, what about you, Sam team lineup? Exactly what you expected. Is that how you would feel? Exactly what I wanted. Um, I think Konate's been good since he's, but he's, he's still raw. He's still only 22. He's inexperienced, um, relatively speaking. So, yeah, for me, he's he's someone for the future. But for this game, you know, Matt Dipp's been outstanding for us this season. So, uh, bringing him in for this match was an absolute no-brainer, in my opinion. And, and keeping that midfield three together also a no-brainer so you know we've started getting some players coming back into fitness now and that was always going to be the lineup for me today very very happy with it right let's see if Dell is back from his shopping spree hey how you doing hey. You right? <laughs> yeah you little cheeky sod right yeah, go on mate that. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, last minute you bread and milk uh, fiasco in the house so just that. Um, yeah, I just want to see, uh, to raise two points only, yeah? First point is, uh, we've now scored nine goals at our direct rivals in the stadium. With five at Old Trafford, four at Shigutson Park. So that's the first one. The second statement I want to say is, uh, from last season to this season, it looks like our midfielders are contributing a lot more goals and assists. Uh, last season, uh, you know, put that on the, on the UP thread, yeah, we only had 11 goals and assists last season. And already this season, they were up by eight goals and assists. Um, and we're only, like, what, what, a third away into, into, the, into the season. So I wonder what it is that's, um, that Klopp's tweaked in our midfield. Have they become more braver in taking shots on, like carving through, or, or sort of, or has the midfield like taken it upon themselves to like think, okay, you know what, we go get the goals as well. Not some really good points there, Dell. You know, you're like giving me lots of stats on this show, and I really, really appreciate it. Carl, I'll come to you first. I mean, what do you make of like nine goals against like our rivals, i.e., Man United and Everton away from home? You know, one of the things that we had, um, which was quite problematic last season for us, is we just weren't scoring enough goals, period. And, you know, to see us sort of um, absolutely um, annihilating our rivals this season? Yeah, I mean, who haven't we annihilated for the, the most part this season? I mean, the, the goal scoring has been insane, you know, not just the, the Fab Four, but, you know, as, as Dale touched on, the, the midfielders as well, which is great to see. And it's funny, it brings you back to kind of 
earlier in the season where um, in a press conference Klopp was challenged about signing by uh, James Pierce, and Pierce particularly touched on the, the need for a goal-scoring midfielder and Klopp talked about how you know our lack of goals is, is more about how our midfield plays and that's often been the way under Klopp that the midfield's more about being the, the engine, being a machine and effectively so for the most part but you know the onus hasn't really been on them to score goals because we get so many goals from the forwards but we've seen in this season so far that particularly when Harvey Elliott was playing but but even with other players there that uh, on the right side our midfielder seems to be a lot more advanced a lot more involved with the front three and while I think myself, Gags and John, uh, after the West Ham game, talked about how that, that's maybe caused us some problems defensively down the right, it's, it's been somewhat of a, a suicidal right, I think I, I refer to it as. I think we've gotten the balance a bit better since the international break, which is good to see. We're not quite as open there. Um, but I think that's that's probably one of the major parts of, of why we're, we're seeing this increased productivity from the midfielders is just that they, they are being a, that little bit more adventurous that they're pressed that little bit further up the field and, and they're more involved with the front three. It's a joy to see as well isn't it Carl because if I remember the last time I saw the midfield chipping in this much was probably the season we won the league obviously before before Covid happened and stuff I remember the absolute you know thrashing of um, Arsenal in, in the League Cup and, you know, even the build-up to that, goals were literally coming from everywhere, despite our front three being in incredible form, that the whole the whole team were kind of running in like a cohesive unit and it looked like goals literally came from everywhere. And last season, one of the problems was the front three were quite, uh, certainly after Christmas, I thought the front three were very wasteful. I felt like we were guilty of walking the ball into the net. Also, I felt like um, we were starting really slow, so we weren't quick on the tempo, and we were quite predictable in terms of how we were attacking in the sense that if the fullbacks weren't on it, there wasn't much creativity and, you know, there wasn't much spark in our team. And I think that was probably largely down to the fact that, you know, we were missing a huge chunk of our defence last season and, you know, all those things. And it's great to see that, you know, we we've not be we you know we've moved away from maybe a one dimensional kind of style of play. Yeah, certainly. I mean, as as you touched on there last season, it was very much Robertson, Trent, and Salah, and if the three of them were off it or well marked on the day, we struggled to create anything. And you know, it's it's great to have players of of their creative ability, but at the same time, there needs to be something around them to to take a bit of the the weight off their shoulders because you know it, it's so easy to play against if you're just relying on on one or two sources of productivity. So you know, this season when we have the likes of Henderson. Tonight, you know, Keita earlier in the season, Thiago, you know, creating those opportunities for the the players around them. It, it just makes the the jobs of the likes of Salah, Mane, etc., much much easier. And I think you know, Mane and Firmino were wasteful in front of goal last year, but yeah, I do think it also has to be said that the the service wasn't up to scratch at times uh-huh. for them. Um, and I think we we see Mane's thriving a lot more in this season, and I think that increased productivity from the midfield is is a large part of of why he he's getting in, you know, kind of better opportunities and and getting more goals as a result. 
Yeah, and last season our midfielders, some of them played in defence as well. It was a hot mess last season, let's forget about it. But Sam and I covered it quite a lot last season. Sam, I know you're having some technical sound issues with regards to Dell's question, so I'll quickly summarise it for you. Um, uh, we'd like to get your thoughts on Liverpool scoring nine goals away from home against, you know, bitter rivals, i.e. Manchester United, five past them, four past Everton, and also... um. The, the creativity and the goals coming from midfield with Santiago, Duet, you know, uh, Naby Keita, etc. And obviously today, um, uh, tonight we saw Jordan Henderson. So, um, your thoughts on that and, uh, you know, is it something that maybe we've, uh, Jurgen Klopp has maybe been working on, you know, in training? So give us your thoughts and how do you feel about that? Because I think we're all quite happy about the fact that goals could literally come from anywhere. Oh, definitely. Ironically, it's the Everton away game last season that kind of ruined our chances of playing this midfield trio. Was it the Death Star, Pickford? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Because, you know, it wasn't just the the Van Dyke thing. Obviously, it was the direct injury onto Thiago and he missed about three months after that game. And then when he came back, we had Henderson in defence. It was just absolute carnage. Um, I think I saw a stat the other day. Is is that like the fourth or fifth time now, maybe, that we played that three in the midfield, and and we've had Thiago for like a season and a half. It's ridiculous. Like how long we've had to wait to get these guys to play together. So um, I think it was Henri was speaking uh, before the game, and he was just saying, you know, they haven't had a chance to play together much. That that three in midfield. Just think how good they could be if they get a few more games under their belt and get an even better understanding. But yeah, it, it's it's really exciting to see. I'm I'm so happy to see Henderson be able to just go nuts, really, because we we've seen sometimes his defensive discipline and positional sense defensively can be a problem. So seeing him just bombing up now and actually being able to have a bit of more license going forward is, is really paying off for us. And it's, it's a joy to see. I, I, you can tell he's really enjoying himself. He's doing those overlaps um, outside on a regular basis. Him and Mo linking up really, really well today. They did some lovely moves. And then we're in round the back. It's simple football, but it's just little one-twos and things. And, and the midfield is absolutely key to this new attacking kind of rhythm that we've got this season. You know, it is it is causing us to be a little bit softer in defence sometimes um, and leaving some kind of cheap goals away. But to be fair, um, we've, we've actually got more clean sheets in all competitions than Chelsea have this season. So um, that might, I think we had 13, something like 13, they had 12 or 12 and 11 uh, before this game. So, you know, just to show you that even though sometimes the eye test doesn't look great without defence and we do let goals in multiple times in some games in general we have actually been pretty solid on the whole that's good to know okay Del just said another thing I wanted to say was that he shot to hit a red hot patch before he got injured last season against Mitchell and away I keep wondering had he not sustained that injury how different our season would have looked I think that's a great shout also Liverpool are the first team in English top flight history to score multiple goals in 18 consecutive games across all competitions I mean, what do you say to that, lads? I mean, anything you'd like to add to that? Are you surprised? Um, I'll come to Carl. Yeah, I mean, it is surprising to a degree when you 
think that the the team that won the the league we were more you know we got goals but we were more known as the the defensive machine you know city were the goal scorers you know we were we were the well-oiled machine at, at the back and so you would have expected a, a return. Obviously, last season wasn't so great. There was a lot of injuries at the back. You know, we, we couldn't really keep the, the same amount of clean sheets and, and concede as, as few goals. But you would have kind of expected we'd go back to that this season with, with Van Dijk back and Mata back and and Gomez as well. You know, we having the, the tools there. It, it hasn't really been about that. We've, we've kind of rolled back to kind of the earlier Klopp years where we're a, a free-scoring team and it, it's all about the goals. And what's exciting to me is I think we, we have conceded more goals than we'd like so far this season. But I think a lot of them are, you know, kind of, you know, maybe brain farts from players who are just coming back after injury or also a bit of luck for the opposition. I think I saw someone on the Discord a few weeks ago say that we can see a lot of quote-unquote fluky goals. And I'd agree that, with that to a degree. And I think that that's not sustainable. You know, we're, we're not going to keep seeing those brain farts or those flukes per se. So I think we will see in the, the coming weeks. I think that the the goals conceded per game will drop. You know, we, we won't have these kind of three alls with Bournemouth and, and the likes. So uh, I'm confident that we'll get more on par with the, the defensive records of, of our rivals in the, in the weeks to come. And I think that's exciting because there's no reason to think that we won't keep scoring so many goals. Um, so we're, you know, as a result, you know, when you're defending well and you're attacking well, you're you're going to be... In, in and about there for, for honours, which is where we want to be. So it's a, exciting times to come, I feel. Absolutely. Sam, anything you want to add to that? No, I think pretty much nailed, <clears throat> nailed everything. Okay, there, cool. Think, uh, right, you know. guys, we're going to just take a little break. Stay with us, enjoy the ads, and we'll be back. Enjoying this podcast? then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Molby and Sir Kenny Dalglish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists. We'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms, with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. Welcome back to the Nina. Now it's just myself, Carl and Sam. We're going to talk about, um, we've got to start off. There's so much. I'm going to talk about the, the, the Southampton game, this game in like incredible, with incredible pace and tenacity. There's purpose to us straight away. I thought we looked so, so threatening. You know, we, we came out with intent, with purpose. We wanted to, you know, basically 
stamped down our authority and Jordan Henderson. It was only a matter I mean, like, it, we could have been 3 0 up at about eight, nine minutes, and Jordan Henderson and that strike, I mean, wow. We've really come back after that West Ham defeat. Yeah. Um, and, and the break, we've come back like a, a team possessed, really. You know, we've, we've had four games in all competitions and we've scored 14 goals. <laughs> so we're averaging three and a half per game in the four games since we've come back. And, and the funny thing is, yeah, the funny thing is before we came back, we were actually behind West Ham in the league and now we're seven points clear of them three games later in the league. It's it's absolutely crazy. Just and, and that's something that can happen this month, right? The the games come really thick and fast now in December. This is when the 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 league can be lost. It can't be won at this point, but it can be lost. And this is when we can really put ourselves in a really prime position. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's amazing to see that the form that we've come into now, coming in from uh, that break, is just exceptional. And I, the, that first goal, as you said, Nina, was absolutely beautiful. Um, the annoying thing about the first two chances is when it was live, I bloody missed it. Classic Amazon uh, Prime style viewing for me and Welsh internet. Uh, they don't go well. I obviously wasn't pedaling fast enough or something. Um, my internet went down. <laughs> so um, I actually turned the game on after three minutes and I was in the WhatsApp chat with the boys and they were like, yeah, we should be 2-0 up already. I was like, what? So, But the good thing with Amazon is when the ball went out of play, I just rewound it and I, I've seen the chances and everything and bloody hell. You know, more more from close range and, and Matt Dip as well, isn't it, with the header. So yep. we came out of the blocks absolutely flying. Uh, and then I I don't know what it was about that Henderson chance, right? As soon as it fell to him, I felt like it was going in. And, and there was no right to feel that, really. He was on his left foot outside the box. But his, he's definitely been improving in his shooting. You know, we've complained about Henderson shooting for quite a while now. And he seems to be, you know, noticeably improving and he's been chipping in this season. And one thing I found kind of ironic <clears throat> is that Wijnaldum, when we signed him especially, and when he plays for the Netherlands, he's a big goal scorer. Yeah. And then f- funny thing is when we actually get rid of Wijnaldum, our midfielders start chipping in with goals more. <laughs> so I just found that a kind of a, a strange quirk that's happened this season. And, and long may it continue because... It's not like we need someone to take the pressure off the front guys because they are really, really bossing it at the moment. But if we can get midfielders chipping in with goals as well, you know, we're we're gonna score absolute record numbers this season. Yeah, and it's gonna be really handy as well when the lads um, you know, more money um obviously have to go on Afcon duties as well. You know, we need everyone in. Uh, what did you make of Henderson's performance? I think a goal and assist. I thought for me this was probably one of the best um Hendo performances in a long time. I feel like those who are super, super Henderson fans and those that who are absolutely, you know, can't stand him. I feel like, you know, we can all they can all find some common ground here and, you know, kind of agree that he played so well today. And I'll stick with I got to Carl on this one. Yeah, I mean I'm one who tends to 
defend Henderson, but he's been difficult to defend at times this season. The fact you know, that he signed his contract, right? Because obviously I've been away from football and I felt like, from my understanding, because I came back for the Man City game and then I had to kind of disappear again, was um, the fact that since he signed that contract, you know, one thing that no one could ever, ever accuse Jordan Henderson was of being lazy. You know, he said, you know, you always constantly see him sort of chasing the ball. And obviously he was lacking that in his game. And I feel like he's got his sort of energy back. He looks like a different player. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that completely. I mean, I mean, he just looked lethargic at times, which mm. is, as you say, you wouldn't associate that with him at all. And, yep. and maybe there was the argument to be made, obviously, that he had some injuries over the summer and maybe they were still troubling him somewhat. Mm. Um. But it's just, I, I think since the international break, you know, we, we're seeing, you know, service resumed for Henderson. You know, he, he's back to being that that all-action midfielder. And, you know, as you said, even when he's not at his best, he's, he gives you energy. And, and we're seeing that energy again. And, and today it, it certainly paid dividends for him because, you know, especially in the first half, it's like he was everywhere. You know, he was, yeah. he was completely too much to handle for their midfield and they, they were chasing shadows when it came to him and which is great to see and it you know I think the commentary on I was watching on Premier Sports and they kind of talked about the hen, the young Henderson in the, the season where we, we pushed for the title under Rodgers and you know he played in a similar position and it was almost was like he was rolling back to the years to his youth and I mean that goal it's just it it almost reminded me of the, of the Gerard days. It was like the kind of goal he'd score against Everton in the derby, and and that's what you want from your captain in the derby. And it, it kind of settled the nerves, to be honest, because despite the good start, you can't help but think of last season. You know, the good performance at, at Goodison, but not getting the result, and and coming away with a, a lot of war wounds, and then obviously the, the loss at Anfield. So. You know, you just wanted something to settle the nerves. A goal. You just wanted to, after the the two Salah chances. The match. Didn't he have a goal disallowed against Everton as well last season to make it even more disgusting after what happened against them? He had a goal disallowed, right? He, he did, yeah. To, to yeah. What would have been the winner? Um, yeah. So it, it it just felt like justice when he yeah found the back of the net and you know. <laughs> I just hope this is the Henderson we're going to see for the rest of the season. I don't want to see what we saw earlier in the season. And, mm. and I think Sam talked about how we've been kind of robbed of seeing this this midfield of, of Fabinho, Thiago yeah. and Henderson. I think the first time we saw it was that game at Goodison and then we didn't see it for the rest of the season. And I think if we can keep them in there and keep Henderson in this more advanced position, we are going to see much better from him than we have so far. Absolutely. And Sam, I'll come to you. Um, talk to me about Mo Salah's goal, the first one that he scored. Um, you know, just stunning again. Robertson yeah. to Hendo, or was it Robertson to Mane to Hendo to Mo? Yeah, f- first of all, I totally agree with Carl. It was really was kind of poetic justice to see us hammer Everton there today because I don't know if you remember how we started that game last season we started like a train exactly the same as today we were tearing them to shreds before that Van Dyke uh, injury and no red card for Pickford 
uh, we were looking fantastic. So um, the fact that they kind of derailed our season last season, we we really, really wanted to stick it to them today, and I'm so happy we did. Um, yeah, Mo Salah, what can I say? Um, it was an assist for Henderson for that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, broke it up nicely in midfield. And then fair play to Henderson is something he's been doing really well this season. He, he tries to get it away early. And it was yeah. a perfectly weighted pass for, for Salah. And then you just knew what Salah was going to try and do. And just fair play to him. He, lovely couple of touches. So he got the space he needed then to be able to just guide it into the far corner. It, it's a textbook Mo Salah goal. Uh, we haven't seen that style goal for a couple of games now. And it, it, it is his kind of real trademark. And he, he did it so, so well. And really, really happy for him because he, he went a whole game without a goal, didn't he? So uh, it's been a bit of a drought for... I know, poor for, guy. For, for Mo. <laughs> for Mo. <laughs> um, it, it's unbelievable. The guy is unreal. Um, and yeah, Carl touched on earlier that he came seventh in the Ballon d'Or. It's like, let's not worry about that bloody thing. It, we know it's a bit all politics and based on winning tournaments and things. And obviously we had a terrible season last season as a club. But um, if Mo keeps going, the, the rate he's going this season, he if he does this for an entire season and we win either the league or the Champions League, they just can't ignore the guy. He He's an absolute different level to any other footballer on the yeah. planet at this moment in time. And I think it's hard to argue otherwise. Yeah. Uh, for me, I still love the Ballon d'Or. And, you know, I, uh, for me now, it's like Eurovision, basically. Like you said, it's all very political. So, you know, for That's that, a uh, great analogy. <laughs> Eurovision. Is. Yeah, with Will Ferrell in as well. Like, it's that <laughs> much of a joke. It's the, it's the Netflix comedy. <laughs> it is that It is that much of a joke now. But that, to be fair, like, like Messi still scored like a billion goals last season. It's one of those ones. It's just like... You know, they they didn't want to give it a Lewandowski, so they just didn't have one last season. There's absolutely no reason why they didn't do one because they still had the season. They didn't cancel the season, so why didn't Lewandowski get it last season? They just wanted to keep the Messi and Ronaldo train going today, but uh, they'll be retiring soon, and then uh, the Liverpool boys might get a chance. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. I mean. We- Carl, I'm going to come to you. I mean, another thing that I kind of noticed in the game as well was, I mean, like, this has always been a bit of a, you know, a prickly kind of encounter. You know, Merseyside derby, it's local, there's a rivalry. But first of all, I thought the ref was a bit trigger happy with the yellow cards. At one point, I thought, I'm pretty certain that every single Everton player has been booked here. Either they were diving or they were, you know, putting in some nasty challenges. I mean, like they are a horrible bunch of people. Yeah, I mean, I think what we did well at the, the start was we, we kind of ignored the fact it was a derby and we just played football and mm. Everton couldn't keep up. And I think it was the, the moment that we maybe took the, the foot off the gas and allowed them to turn it into a derby and we when saw how snide yeah. they are that they suddenly found themselves back in, in the game, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. But you did see that with, you know, at that time, you know, I think there was the first one was from Alan, um, kind of uh, he came in on the back zone. I thought he was lucky to escape yellow. He obviously got a, a yellow later on in the half. Um, but, you know, we know Everton, are a, they're a dirty team. That's it's They, they try to drag you down to their level. 
and it was good that for the most part point today we, we were able to avoid that but I, I do think we did we did kind of um fall in for maybe that 10 15 minute spell and and that was that was the, the one probably worrying point in the game um but yeah i thought that the ref a mixed performance there was times when i thought he should have given a yellow and he didn't and there was other times where he gave a yellow and uh, i thought maybe it was a, a robertson a one was an absolute joke though it wasn't you know again you know didn't really touch the guy and got booked as well. I mean, justice was served, as you said, because, you know, Marcelas goes uh, on the counter-attack. But, yeah, for me, I felt like, you know, some of those Everton players were really, really lucky, but some of ours were... I mean, he spotted some simulation, which was good, but it, it got to a point where I was getting a bit nervous that he might actually just send one of our lads off. Yeah, uh, Tiago is a bit yeah. of a concern there because I, th- I think he had three or four fouls. Um, I mean, he always has fouls, and he's a he's a smart player. He's you know we're we're yet to see him, uh, you know, find himself getting the second yellow. It's it's similar to James Milner. He'll fire himself into challenges until he gets that yellow, and then he'll he'll pull out from then on out. So. Uh, you know, I wasn't too worried about the red, but you never know in a derby. And I, I feel that the emotion often can can take the officials and lead to bad decisions. You know, we we saw a prime example of it last season with some real head scratchers in in the, this fixture last time out. So I suppose in that we maybe saw that to a degree with the ref because he had as you, as you suggested, and Gordon was probably the worst dive of all, and he booked Rob. Robertson, and I think yeah. that's the headline. Is that that's the most frustrating thing about the English game? Carl, I think that is um, you know a fair assessment. And Sam, I'm going to come to you. I mean, talk to me about you know um, just the dirty tactics of Everton and what did you make of it? Because I think for me, one of the biggest concerns was maybe I'm scarred from last season. I was like, please, someone were fucking dangerous. And I was like, if you injure one of our players, it felt like they were going out to repeat what they did last season. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you thought this. When we were 2-0 up, initially it looked like we were going to go for the kill. But about five minutes or so before Everton scored their goal, we seemed to kind of, weirdly as a team, become a bit nervous. And I think, I don't know if it was you know, the nervousness that one of their tackles was going to injure them and it was maybe getting into Thiago's mind a bit or you know a few of the players were thinking oh bloody hell they're going to chuck in a, a terrible tackle because you could see they were getting a bit tasty when they were 2-0 down and we thought here we go this could kick off and I think as a team we, we wanted to avoid that at all costs you know get out of this game with no injuries was one of the biggest parts of it because it completely derailed our season last season but um yeah that's the ref, you know, he did catch two of the simulations, to be fair to him. But the third one, as you said, that was by far the worst one. The Robertson did not even touch him one iota. Uh, it was an incredible dive. And that was that kid's first touch as well, wasn't it? And he went straight in for the dive and, and the ref bought it, you know. And if they'd have scored off our free kick, it, it was still 2-1 at the time, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, I think it would have uh, it would have kicked off a little bit. But... Uh, in general, you know, I don't think the referee was a problem today. Um, you know, I don't think there was any red card challenges today. There was that one uh, Alan threw on Henderson, but uh, no, uh, was it Jota, wasn't it? 
uh, that he got a yellow card for, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I think yellow was about right. So you know, for me, the the referee didn't ruin anything today. Um, it was it was about right. A few decisions I disagree with hundred percent, but uh, it was nowhere near as bad as it was last season. Put it that this way. This is very true. This is very true. And Sam, I'm going to stick with you because. I think as Carl just kind of um, uh, just said previously, hit the nail on the head. You know, we started off with so much intensity and then 20 minutes we kind of drop off. You kind of mentioned the Tiago booking. We looked a little nervous and, uh, you know, we, we were kind of took the foot off the gas, so to speak. And, you know, of course, Everton get a goal, an undeserved goal. Um, you know, almost like a brain fart moment, you know, um, Matip just was not in the right place at the right time. It's absolutely fine. But it was such a strange goal to concede. And, you know, if you're looking at that goal and we go in at half time and you, you sat there scratching your head thinking, how is it that we could have been like easily three or four goals up and yet it's 2-1? And, you know, it kind of motivated the crowd a little as well, you know. So, and he went through yeah, his leg and he looked so pissed off. Oh, I know. I thought he was going to do typical Ali. He's, he seems to be doing one a game at the moment where he does, you know, stop a one-on-one chance for the opposition. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know whether it was a bit of complacency. The game was so easy for us at that point. We'd already had a bunch of really good chances by that point as well. So I think we were just trying to control the game and, and we lost our edge a bit. I thought the, the speed of our passing and everything had become a bit you know, laboured and, and yeah. slow. And I think we were just kind of seeing the half out and, and then Everton, to be fair to them, pounced. Um, I'd need to see it again. I'm not 100% sure what happened, but to be fair to Matip, he got left two on one and Rondon made a run to his left. So he tracked the Rondon run, but then that left Gray completely unmarked Mark, in the middle yeah. um, because Van Dijk had pushed up onto Richarlison um, and I think it was himself. Trent trying to track back, wasn't it? It was Trent that was trying yeah. to track back. Yeah. So, yeah, between the three of them, it it was, wasn't was done well, unfortunately. And, and, yeah, it went wrong. I'm not 100% sure who I'd blame as such. But, you know, these things can happen. It's it's professional sport. So um, I'm not too worried about it. You know, it, it is Everton at the end of the day that they were bound to have some chances at some point today, you know, in the derby. So, uh, yeah, you know. 4-1 again, bloody hell. It's, it's, well, it's, it's the biggest victory away to Everton. What I heard it's, that is something like 39 years um, since we've beaten them by that margin at Goodison. Um, they said it on the commentary, I haven't got it in front of me, but something like that. So um, just goes to show just how big a result this is because we have struggled against Everton, even when they've been absolutely dire and we've been flying. Somehow by hook or by crook, like we saw last season, uh, and previous nil-nils, they, they seem to get a draw against us. So I'm really, really chuffed now and, and relieved more than anything that we've got out of that game, seemingly without any injuries, touch wood, and with the three points in the bag. Absolutely. And uh, I'll come to you, Carl. I mean, your thoughts on, on the goal that we conceded and, uh, you know, I know we're we're in that position now where we kind of reflect on the game, but like, did you get a bit nervous? Because I did. I ain't gonna lie. Sorry, I was mute there for a second. Um, I don't know how you couldn't have gotten nervous. I mean, at one nail, 
you know, we, we were flying and I was begging for that second goal because oft times in the past we've cruised against Everton, went one nil up and just not found that second. So when we got the second relief, you think God's in the bag. But then, you know, we, we drop we drop our levels, we get dragged into a, a bit of a a punch up, you know, with the, the, the challenges going in, the yellow cards coming out, and then Everton get that goal and you can't help but think, oh, you know, here we go again. You know, we, we had obviously the the Brighton game earlier in the season where we dropped a, a two nil lead and so you you were gonna worry because, you know, as we touched on earlier, you we have conceded a lot of, of sloppy goals in, in yeah. games in which we put on top. And I think this was another example of it. You know, I think Trent's kind of caught out as, as Sam touched on and the, the lads push up and, you know, and credit to, to Gray. I, I think he was the one positive for Everton on a, on a bad day. I, th- I think he's potentially been the, the one positive for them this season. You know, he looks a bargain at the, you know, we talk about how much money they've they've wasted, and he comes in for one point five million and looks the best signing they've made in years. Um, so I think if if anyone deserved to get on the score sheet from there for them, it was him. But that said, you know, you do expect better from our defence. So it, it was worrying when when they got in there, and it was. It, you know, to be honest, I was just glad that we, we got it to halftime at 2-1, didn't make any more mistakes, and then obviously we were able to, to regroup. No, absolutely. Right, let's move on to uh, the third goal, and I'll come to you. I mean, Carl, talk to me about that. Just classic muscle on the counter, just completely skins his man. Uh I think we all kind of breathed a sigh of relief when that went in because for me that was that was it then that was the goal that I was just very very composed about I was like I can't see them coming back from this because build up to that I felt like we were the better team we looked more we looked back in control I don't know what Klopp probably said to him at half time but it looked like we resumed control back of the game yeah I think we certainly had a, a lot of territorial advantage at the start of that second half but maybe didn't create chances as clearly as we did in the, in the first half but it's funny I, I was actually celebrating the goal not not when Salah scored but the moment he got in behind coming I just kind of you just kind of knew the form yeah. he's in that he's going to yeah. just run in and sort of pass yeah. and you know it's it's I, I you know if it wasn't Everton I'd almost have felt sorry for Coleman because I thought he'd had a decent game and obviously he's my countryman but you know captain of my uh, country that's it, but um, he made that mistake, and Salah is the form he's in. He's going to punish any little mistake like that. If you if you let him in behind you, he's going to leave you for dust. And Pickford had no chance, so I, I was celebrating that Salah's practically on the halfway line with the ball, um, which is it's funny to think, but uh, that's just how good he is, and. You know, it was just a clever little finish. Not not the cleanest connection, but he knew exactly where he wanted the ball to be and he, he placed it there. And as I said, it was very difficult for, for Pickford to, to make any kind of save. And it was important timing because, you know, although, as as we said, we, we were better at the start of the second half than we had been towards the end of the first half, Everton were having like you know moments on the break you know they were going very very direct and um, but they were having some joy and 
you know, if one of them had had gone their way, or obviously if that soft free kick that that never should have been had had gone in, it, it could have been a, a different story. So, getting that third goal was so so important, and I, I think that that put the the game beyond Everton, and there was only one team in it uh, after that point. Absolutely, and Sam, I'll come to you. I mean, anything you want to add on the Mosala goal and the finish, and um, and then. You you lead the way for Jota's goal because oh my gosh the touch that he took and the finish and yeah Pickford could have done better but my god it was stunning. Yeah, the the more goal was actually for me reminiscent of the key more goal against Man United. I knew somebody would say that. I felt and, that. And I was at Anfield that day in the cop as well. So um, it's a real fond memory of mine seeing Mo score that goal on the break. And Dan James was trying to catch him up and pull him back. And uh, I think it was Coleman, wasn't it? That yeah. was um, trying to pull him back. He tried to pull him about five or six times. And he just couldn't get a grab of him. And it just shows how strong Mo is, you know. He, Held him off, held him off, held him off. And that little scuffed finish into the bottom corner, it's it's a really underrated finish, that, I think. You know, quite often they say if you hit it along the ground, it's, it's really hard for the keeper because they've got to get down all the way to the ground to save it, whereas if it's a bit higher up, it's easier. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic for more. You know, it, it's come out of nothing, really. And uh, like Carl, even though we were, uh, you know, totally in control of the game, I was still nervous because you know, when there's only one goal in it, as you said, a set piece, a deflection, anything can happen really. Uh, and then Everton is 2-2 and they've they've spawned their way to another bloody draw. So a uh, key moment in the game. And yeah. there's that man again, best player in the world right now, Mo Salah. But, you know, I was saying that one was reminiscent of another goal. The Jota one for me, it had Robbie Fowler written all over it for me. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I think it was one of his goals against Man United where Schmeichel just kind of collapses onto the ground because he just... It was an absolute pile driver from a really narrow angle on his left foot. And it is absolutely exquisite. And as you said, Nina, the pass to him was actually slightly behind him. So he had to kind of reach backwards. But then uh, it was Alan, wasn't it, that was marking him. And he just sent him for a hot dog with that little turn he did. And Alan was obviously scared he was going to foul him in the box and give a penalty away. So he kind of he kind of had to pull back slightly. But bloody hell, what a finish from Jota. And again, I haven't got the exact stat, but he's averaging basically a goal every other game for Liverpool. You know, just just think where he could have been. I think um, I think Dell put it in the chat earlier, actually. Um, just wondering where he would have been in terms of goal scoring if he hadn't had that three month or so injury that he had last season. And to answer that question, he would have been on Mo Salah levels almost of goals. You know, he, he's he's exceptional at the moment with his finishing and. It's so, so good to have him in the side. You know, I love Firmino. I think we, we might link up a lot better when he's in the team. But bloody hell, Jota hasn't half got an eye for goal. Absolutely, you can't complain. And Carl, I'll come to you. You know, talk to me about Jota's goal. I think for me, one thing I've kind of... I think why I was so impressed by the touch was... Because um, one thing that I always kind of... Where you can sort of put your money on with regards to Jota is... Every time he gets the ball, he will try shooting on target. So to see like him kind of showing skill 
and doing things, it, it is like, it, it doesn't remind me of Bobby Firmino, but I feel like he's kind of in some weird way filling a void of not having Bobby Firmino. Like, he's doing more, he's being a bit more creative, he's got those lovely touches and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he he's such a, a great option to, to have. I mean, mm. He had the, the fantastic fantastic front three for for so long but we never really had anything outside that so to, to finally have someone who can come in and you know he's he's so versatile Jota if you know if you play him on the left he does a lot of the things that that Mane can can do and then if you play him centrally he's he's almost like a you know a fox in the box you know kind of proper number nine you know kind of Fowler Van Nistelrooy-esque you know that you just his shot accuracy and how how quick-footed he is in the box to, to just buy himself that that little bit of space for a shot it's it's insane I mean there was a moment obviously earlier in the the game as well where he um kind of brilliant footwork in the the box and, and laid it off and and um I forget who took the shot but um Pickford had to make a good save it's he's just He's exactly what you want in our team in and around the box. And that's not to say Firmino isn't what you want. He's, he's a different option. And that's what's exciting that we have different two different options for the rope because for so long I felt like we only had the, the one option. Um, I mean, the, the goal, it's just, you know, Alan never had a chance, you know, just turned him so well pulled his pants down and then you know you just knew the ball was going in the back of the net at that point he just rifles it into the, the top of the net and you know it's it was just great to see Pickford have to pick the ball in the net for the fourth time I mean uh, I have any pain put on that player after what he did to Van Dyke last season is, yeah. is, is good in my books Absolute joy, absolute joy. Uh, I think we've discussed the the goals there. And I think for me, I mean, this is the part, Carl and Sam, you know this too well. This is our closure part of the pod. You know, live podcasting, I just thought I'd cough. For me, um, uh, there's just loads of highlights. And they're mostly from like Everton fans, just in general. You know, the fact that they walked off early. Um, the fact that they're being Virgil van Dijk because how dare he get injured last season like they are just absolutely hilarious the booing of the Rafa Benitez song so um, guys I'll come to you anything you want to kind of mention from the game uh, before we go to our man of the match Sam I'll come to you uh, yeah um, just got a few stats here Nina just to reel off some stats come in with the stats today now Um okay. XG roughly, it obviously it varies, but two point nine seven for nearly three XG for us wow. away from home, and and zero point five four for Everton. So an absolute demolition of Everton today. You know, could have been a lot worse for them. Um, I thought this was a good stat from Andrew Beasley. Uh, Liverpool have scored fifty six goals in their last nineteen league games. They scored 19 goals in the previous 19 games prior to that. So that just goes to show what a swing it's been for Liverpool, you know, in our attacking prowess. Getting, you know, people laughed at us saying, oh yeah, the bloody defenders being out, that's not why you're missing all these chances and not scoring. Well, yes, it was. You know, the balance of the team was completely out of whack. And that's, you know, 
us back in the game. Um, the next one is Liverpool's record with Fabinho and Thiago starting in midfield together is played 14, won 13, drawn 1. Wow. Goals 4, 39 against 6. Um, so, you know, just goes to show we've, we've been very unlucky not to have those two guys playing together in midfield and when they do, bloody hell. It makes it really difficult for other teams to get near us. Um, Henderson is the first Liverpool player to score and assist at Goodison Park in the same Premier League game since Steven Gerrard in December 2005. So I, I was really happy for Hendo getting that goal today. Uh, as Carl touched on earlier, he had a winning goal against Everton in the game last season taken off him yeah. because of an offside that they gave against Sadio Mane for... Well, when you saw the replays multiple times, the lines looked like he was still on site. So I don't know what the hell happened there. So, yeah, really tough for Hendo getting that. Um, Liverpool have scored 43 league goals this season, more than any other side in Europe's big five leagues. Bayern Munich have scored 42. And they're playing, you know, Kamarthenshire League seconds um, in, in Germany. So, you know, it just goes to show that's that's incredible goal-scoring run that we are on at the moment. And uh, I'll finish. I've got two more. Um, Salah is the first Liverpool player to score twice away at Everton in the Merseyside derby since Fernando Torres in 2008. And the last one, uh, the one I touched on earlier, um, I said it was 39 years since they'd won away at Goodison, and that was correct. Uh, Liverpool have scored four goals in an away league match against Everton for the first time since a 5-0 win there in November 1982, 1982 under Bob Paisley. Wow, look at that. Sam, you know, dropping the stats there. Might have to check his homework. Uh, no, he's, he's, <laughs> he, I, think, I think he's nailed them. Uh, some, some great numbers there. Cheers, Sam. Uh, proof is in the pudding. Uh, so I'll come to Carl. Carl, anything you kind of want to highlight on the game? Anything that you feel like needs a mention before we move on to Man of the Match? Oh, difficult to follow Sam there at all those stats. Um, I mean... What's important for me from the game is, and as I said, I, I covered the the West Ham game, and we, you know, yeah. I spoke about how it was so important after the the international break that we find some consistency and find our drive because, mm. you know, for me it hadn't really been there domestically so far. It's brilliant in Europe, but you know, mm. bar maybe the United game and and one or two other games. You know, we, we weren't really, we hadn't really shown up in the league so far this season. And I think that the West Ham game clearly show, kind of served as a lighting a fire under our ass because I think today, with the way we started and then again with the, the way we kind of came back again in the, the second half, kind of regrouped and, and came, you know, we we seem hungry again. We we seem fired up, and that's exactly what we need to be if we're we're going to challenge for for honors. And it, it was great to see us kind of put a stamp on it, especially in a in a derby. Give you know, particularly when you consider what happened in in the return fixture last year. So it, it's really promising for the the weeks to come and the the busy festive period. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the points are absolutely crucial and this is the busy time and this is like the make or break, as Sam said, you know, in terms of where the standings are in terms of the league, we need to keep applying that pressure and, you know, it's great to see the the lads, um, you know, 
performing like that and getting those kind of um, goals and results. And Carla, I'll stick with you. Who is your man of the match? Ooh, it's it's a tough one. I mean, Salah might seem the obvious one, but at the, at the same time, Henderson was really impressive. Um, I, I'm going to just give it to, to Henderson. Um, but they, they for me, they both would be worthy winners. I like that shout. I, I like that. Um, and obviously, you did. You were robbed of that privilege because you co- covered West Ham. And let's be honest, you probably wanted to get off the call as quick as possible. So yeah, Jordan Henderson for you. Um, I think both of those are absolutely sound shouts. And what about you, Sam? Uh, yeah, I, I thought that's the best performance from Henderson in quite a while. Yeah. Um, he's had a goal and an assist, and you know it was it was a really good assist. I know. I know Mo had a hell of a lot of work still to do, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's, it's a lovely ball through. I think he was harrying Everton players, um, especially first half. I thought he was, you know, all over them. Uh, but he really gave us another attacking edge, which, you know, I didn't realise he quite had it in his locker. So I've been really impressed with him. But for me, you know, I, I know sometimes we don't give Mo the man of the match just because he's always ridiculously good. But when I think he's the best player on the pitch, like I think he was today, yet again, and scoring two key goals, uh, for me, it's, it's Mo Salah again. You know, both goals were absolutely sublime. And when you score two goals of that quality in the derby, I think you've got to win man of the match. So for me, it's the Egyptian king yet again, man of the match for me. I like it. I like it. They're both great shouts. Uh, I always, I mean, Mo Salah wins uh, the Nina Calvi show man of the match a lot. You know, who gives a shit about the Ballon d'Or? This is the one that really counts. But today, actually, I am going to give it to Jordan Henson because I've not given it to Jordan Henson in a very long time. And I felt like that was the performance that I wanted from Jordan Henderson. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to give it to Jordan Henderson. So people tweet me, who who's your man of the match and why? I mean, Marcelize, Marcelize, the best in the world, but I'm just trying to be fair, unlike FIFA. I'm just putting that out there. So, guys, uh, that is the end of the Nina Casa show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the result more. A, a massive thank you to our callers. A massive thank you to all you lot that joined us live on Discord. We love the interactions with you guys. A massive thanks to both Carl and Sam. Before I let them go, let's find out where you can find them on Twitter and get some of their work. Uh, Carl, I'll come to you. Where can people find more of your work and where can they find you on Twitter? Yes, so I'm at KMac of the Cop on Twitter, so feel free to give me a follow. And in terms of work, um, I've been a bit slack lately, myself and Guy, in terms of the one-up, but I'd say we'll be doing something uh, in the next week or so in regards to the Game Awards, so uh, keep a watch out for that on Twitter if you're into your video games. Good stuff. And you're on the right platform as well. Discord, um, I believe it's, um, you know, gamers, little um, little nest there. And Sam, what about you? Where can people find you on Twitter and anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, well, weirdly, even though I was on like about a million podcasts last season, I've only done two this season. So this is only the second one. The other one being 5-0 Man United. So um, I've got a good record this season so far. Um, happy you two will London. be joining me on on a, on a <laughs> podcast, so you know watch yes. this space, people. 
Yes, so the one to plug is is Future. So Future listener, um, 16th of December, we've got Newcastle. Um, me and Carl are on that one as well. So, um, yeah, that's something to plug, I suppose, because I haven't got much other things to plug. Um, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Sambo Evans. Give both of these guys a follow. You'll be hearing a lot more from them on Anfield Index just in general. You know, uh, you want to listen to them. They're incredible. And, you know, I just want to thank them because today's show has been most excellent and it has nothing to do with the result. It's all about the good company. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back um, over the weekend covering Wolves. Uh, should be a fun one. Um, take care. I hope you enjoyed that. Merry Christmas, Everton. And till next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.